Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and Will Raggetts is here as well for his weekly Will Raggetts show. We couldn't track down anyone to do a roundtable because everyone is busy writing about how sick Kirk Cousins is. So Will, take the reins, sir. Yeah, what do you want to talk about? I think we got we to gotta talk about that briefly first. That's kind of the uh, the news item of the day here at, at TCO and in Vikings world. I don't know if it actually means much at all. Maybe not, but... Um, Kevin O'Connell told us just a few minutes ago that Kirk Cousins was sent home from practice this morning because he wasn't feeling well, so he was not uh, in the Vikings walkthrough. He obviously will not be returning to practice this afternoon. Probably won't. I mean, O'Connell made it clear like they're not really going to do much tomorrow. It's kind of going to be a Friday like like it would be in the regular season where maybe they walk through some stuff and make some some last preparations for the game, but. Um, cousin status for that and then for potentially traveling to Vegas on Saturday for Sunday's game is up in the air depending on how he feels they haven't yet ruled out the possibility that it's COVID which obviously with Cousins and an unvaccinated player who was on the COVID list twice last year that's where a lot of speculation will naturally go um, they haven't confirmed if that's the case or if it's not so uh, yeah, that's that's the news. I don't know that there's really much else to talk about from that than that's that's the news, and we'll see what happens with that. But what it does mean is that starting this afternoon, and by the time people are listening to this, this will have happened, a, a Thursday practice in pads where we are going to see nothing but Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion at quarterback. It's not quite uh, Jake Browning last year with one quarterback. There's two, but still, this, this is a, a good opportunity for both of those guys to not only get their usual reps in with the twos and threes, but they're going to be playing with the ones. Kellen Mond is going to be throwing passes to Justin Jefferson. So uh, if you, as Kellen Mond or Sean Mannion, can't look good or at least better throwing passes to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne, then maybe we start to uh, hammer the panic button that our fingers have been hovering over uh, about the backup quarterback situation on this Vikings roster. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Uh, I don't know if Kirk Cousins was going to play in the first preseason game anyways. I think that was probably all along going to be a, a Mond and Mannion kind of highlight uh, showcase to see to see where they're at in the actual game. But uh, not highlight necessarily, oh, but maybe. highlight them and, and the, the opportunity for them to play against uh, play against another team in a real football game. Uh, so I've been talking for a long time here. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with the backup quarterback situation over the next three days. Maybe sort of a blessing in disguise for the Vikings from an evaluation perspective. No, I think going with Mond Mannion highlight showcase is uh, <laughs> a great maybe title for the podcast. But 
Uh, I was going to joke, like, should we have waited till after practice to do this pod so we can break down every throw by Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond when they have their big chance football? Like, no, of course not. Uh, but, I mean, I guess, you know, as far as them playing with the first team, who gets the first reps, how many reps they each get will be slightly notable, but still not really. <laughs> like, I'm not, I am not going far outside of the rule of the show to not talk about screwed. And they're still in a lot of trouble if either one of these guys has to play. And as far as like any talking point with Kirk Cousins, is it COVID? Is it not COVID? Like, I don't know. I guess we'll see. But um, they can't lose Kirk Cousins for any amount of time. That's really it. Now, they can right now because they have a walkthrough practice on Friday. They have nothing on Saturday. They travel out to Vegas. They play a game. They have a day off after that. So assuming that it's nothing super serious, then Kirk Cousins comes back next week or he For even goes with the team. And or, all that. Yeah, yeah, right. And those are going to matter a lot. Those joint practices are a big deal. They're basically a whole other preseason game mixed in before the preseason game. And they practice hard against each other we saw that last year with denver you want kirk back by that point the, one of the weird things though like there hasn't been too many weird things in camp this year one of the only weird things was when kirk cousins asked about missing time last year he said oh it's fine i already knew the system like i just enjoyed my day at home or whatever it's like wait I seem to remember you coming back and the offense looked miserable for like two weeks. And it wasn't until right until before the season that they started to get the offense going at the very end of training camp in those practices. And then they came out in the first half in Cincinnati and really struggled and finally again, got it together in the second half. But I think we're like remembering history two different ways here. So if Kirk has to miss time, it hurts everybody. I mean, it hurts the evaluation of players. Uh, it hurts the first teamers because working with Mond and Mannion has basically mean wide receivers barely get to catch the football because it's not accurately thrown or on time. So everybody's work gets held back by these guys, which is why teams love Chase Daniel and, you know, Matt Moore and Ryan Fitzpatrick because they can get the work done that they need for their team and you can potentially win a game. This is one of the reasons not to have Mond and Mannion is because it is a, a struggle. And it's one of those things that we will look back at potentially if neither one of these guys plays well and say, look, you know, Kirk is always a couple of sniffles away or, or, you know, wrong place or bad luck. Look, the vaccination thing is relevant always, but anybody can have the bad luck to get COVID, you know, and be out for a game or a day or whatever. Uh, so it, you know, it's still out there. It's still around and your backup situation, once again, just like last year, does not lend itself to winning a potential game if Kirk Cousins is out. So if there's one take to be had of Kirk Cousins is sick from practice today, it's just a reminder of the tightrope that you walk by investing nothing in that backup quarterback situation. Yeah, and two things jumped out to me. One that you brought up when Cousins was asked about missing time last year, and the quote he gave about learning the new offense this year and all of the things that go into that was I can't afford to miss a day I can't afford to miss a rep well we're here now and he's missing some time and that's not great but I agree with you that the overarching take here is that it, it is a reminder that the backup quarterback position there's a reason why we talk about this like I know Kirk Cousins has been incredibly durable during his starting career has not missed a game due to injury uh, but like that's just not something that you can completely count on I mean it's 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 completely random when you play in the NFL like 
and not only is there always a possibility of injury when you're playing a contact sport, but there's the possibility of things like this, of, of him getting sick, of him having to miss a game at some point because he lands on the COVID list, which I know it's 2022, but that list still exists. And people have gone on it during training camp already. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a reminder of why we're talking about this. The Vikings, in their unofficial depth chart that, that came out on Wednesday, which doesn't really matter much, but it was at least somewhat interesting to look at. They put an or in there between uh, Kellen Mond and Sean Manning. I almost, wa- I almost wanted to throw a little N in front of that and, and say, here, ideally it's Kellen Mond nor Sean Mannion. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's neither one because uh, you would like your backup quarterback to, unless we see a lot from one of those guys in the next week or so, man, I, I, I think they're going to want to look into someone who gets cut from another team or somebody, uh, somebody else that's out there. I totally agree, and our friend Kevin Seifert said in a radio interview that you know the backup quarterback might not be here. He also said that on this show a few days ago, and we just both went like, "Oh yeah, maybe." I mean, like it was nothing at all, but you know the internet is going to aggregate as much as it can to get their clicks. But what Kevin said was just super obvious, mm-hmm. and we were joking around with him. He's like, "Oh, is th- is that news? Like, is that news that the backup quarterback situation here is?" totally fluid and if anything they should go into this preseason game and if these guys totally shock us and are completely different versions from what we've seen on the practice field Mannion looks totally in command or Mond is taking the next step then maybe they should hesitate a little bit but if they go out in the practice field today and then to that game in Vegas and look the way that they have for this entire camp where I mean, at least Mannion led a two-minute drive the other day but aside from that it's just been it's been a rough ride it's it's time to like start looking around and it's not impossible to find somebody else who's better even Philadelphia a little bit of a unique situation but they end up with Gardner Minshew last year he wins a game for them it's the difference of them getting in the playoffs the Vikings couldn't spare a sixth round pick though for Minshew instead they spent a fourth on a backup tight end but it is this right here is just like if there wasn't red flags waving, if there wasn't alarm bells going off watching these practices, then today, unless we're shocked and he goes out there, either one of them or, uh, you know, Mond or Mannion yeah. goes out there and just starts firing BBs to Jefferson's like, oh, all Mond needed was just the best receiver on earth. Uh, but that's not super likely. So we're going to talk as if that's not going to happen. Uh, and that they're not going to go out against Vegas and be so different than they've ever been, it's probably time, as this is a reminder, to start looking at other quarterbacks to get in to the point where they could be acclimated with the system just in case Cousins should fall ill or turn an ankle or hit his hand on a helmet or whatever number of ailments should uh, you know happen to different quarterbacks around the league because a lot of times it's not season ending. It's just this quarterback's out two weeks or something. And yeah. how are you going to win those games when you know, this team is always kind of on the razor's edge? Well, and here's the somewhat unfortunate thing, because I want to get into some of the other things that we're going to be looking for in this Raiders preseason game and throughout the preseason. And a big one for me is like looking at the wide receivers. The Vikings have a ton of wide receiver depth. I think that's fair to say. Like the top three get a lot of attention, but throughout training camp, like I've been impressed at times by Myron Mitchell and Tristan Jackson and these end of the roster guys who are fighting for a spot on this roster or on the practice squad. Like Amir Smith-Marset, Albert Wilson, B.C. Johnson, the list kind of goes on and on. Like, it's going to be harder to evaluate them in 
these preseason games when, like Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion, I don't know if they're completely capable of delivering accurate passes when they get open. So uh, you can try to like isolate and say like, okay, did this guy create separation? Like, would a quarterback, uh, would Kirk Cousins have have been able to complete a pass to them in this situation, even if? Mond or Mannion didn't, and, and this isn't like Mond and Mannion are capable of completing passes, so we'll be able to evaluate the receivers to some extent. But yeah, that's just to tie tie the quarterback thing in a little bit more. But uh, I am really curious to see like does Myron Mitchell or Tristan Jackson or somebody step up and like catch a touchdown pass in in Vegas and and kind of turn heads and uh, take what we've seen on the practice field with getting open in one on ones and seven on sevens and full team drills and and do that in a full speed setting against another team. Like I think the Vikings, the Vikings wide receiver depth is such that like I could see one of the players they cut or try to get on the practice squad, like getting picked up by another team. Cause I, I've just been, I've been that impressed with like the eight or nine deep that they go there. Yeah. Tristan Jackson's one that stood out to me probably more than some of the others, but even Dan Chisna had a day or Chisina. We've been debating which one it is. Maybe if his family listens, they could tell me. It's his third year on the We've roster. Never we should, we should probably lock that one down, but I'm not sure either. We have never gotten that. I've heard everybody say it differently. So it's one or the other. You're right that we could ask him, but by year three, it's awkward to ask. <laughs> it's like the first year, Someone probably did, and I don't remember the answer. But either way, he had a day where he had a couple of great catches and roasted a guy in one-on-ones. That battle is probably the most interesting on the entire roster, and especially for preseason games where every fan and all the media, like, we can all just see it. It's not like, oh, that right guard competition. Oh, man, his hand placement on that play? Nailed it. Like, that's pretty hard to figure out. And we'll look at the PFF grades for the guys in the trenches, but unless you're talking about giving up sacks or getting sacks, it's really hard to tell what the coaching staff is going to think of Luigi Valane or something, mm-hmm. or, or you know, the Jesse Davis versus Ed Ingram, who's going to play there. Ingram, I would imagine, starts instead of Davis. Uh, but if there's a legitimate competition, they might want to see both of those guys in the game and then evaluating how they play will probably go to just how they end up getting graded. And maybe if we notice anything, but with receivers, it's playmaking. It's like, that's what gets you a job. And even going back to 2017 and this guy never became anything, but I remember the night he kind of won a job was Stacy Coley, right? So, and even, you know, Caleb Jones had one of those games once upon a time, Caleb Jones season happened. Uh, but the preseason games are the time for one of those guys who's close in camp, whether it's Tristan Jackson, Myron Mitchell has been here for two years. I don't remember seeing him do anything. This is your chance. Mm-hmm. But if they can't get the football, and this is this is what Mannion is supposed to be here for. And so if they have to choose between these two, then if Mannion can't get that done, if he can't deliver the football on time, well, then he has no use here. Because at least Kellen Mond can run around a little I don't think he's great at running around. He doesn't like blow you away with his explosiveness, but at least he ran like a four, six or something with Mannion. That's like his only thing that he's supposed to be good at. And the reason that he's won jobs before, albeit with a very low bar of Kyle Sloter, but still, if they can't do that, even in the first preseason game, find somebody else who can potentially do it because you need to evaluate these wide receivers and you need to have some confidence that the guy could go in. But with a tough competition there, uh, I think that you're right to say that, that this first game, if they can't do it, they need to get someone else in here. What do you think the, the depth chart is in order, if you can, past 
KJ Osborne. Like right now, before we go into this game. Okay, so I, I'll say Amir Smith Marset is four. Uh, I will say BC Johnson is five with his experience in the system. And I'm not, I'm not even going to go off the. Well, I guess I'll reference this this depth chart that they put out. They had Albert Wilson really low, which, which I think is true. Which it might be, yeah, it might be true. That surprised me a little bit, just like from an NFL track record perspective, like yep, the guy's yep. been around for seven years and he's he's done some things unlike a few of the names that were ahead of him. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I think six is is. I don't even is it is it Tristan Jackson? I think it's Jackson. He's yeah. gotten second team reps and the other guys really have. And haven't. he's been impressed. He had a good night practice. He made some plays. Um he was he was good on on Wednesday as well. So uh I think he's 6 and then 7 is probably Albert Wilson, 8 Myron Mitchell. Did I forget somebody in the, in the mix here? I don't know if I did. Dan Chisna Jasina. Okay. So I I think he's 9. But he's also special teamer and they might Yeah, keep his him just only his only real case to make the roster is that he's like an absurdly fast gunner. Jalen Naylor's another guy. Oh, okay. That's who I forgot. Jalen Naylor. I, I was like, there's a name that I'm forgetting. I think I would put, I think I'd put Jalen Naylor at six or seven. I would right go above there, Albert right there Wilson. With, above Albert Wilson, right there with Tristan Jackson. I think I'd put him at six above Tristan Jackson just because, I mean, they just drafted him and I think he's, he's looked pretty solid in camp. So that pushes Jackson to seven, Wilson eight, Myron Mitchell nine, which like I do think Myron Mitchell has made some plays and has has gotten open at times. That's just again to my original point that like they Mitchell on a, on a decent amount of rosters might be in that six or seven range and he's nine here. Chisina ten, Chisana, uh, and then like Thomas Hennigan, the undrafted rookie. I I think it's going to be a uh, a tough one for him. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, always a chance as a special teamer or something, but that's about the best shot that he's got. I think BC is four. Okay. And the reason I think that is reliability. Uh, that if Kirk Cousins wants one thing, it's to know where his guy's going to be, that his technique's going to be right, that he's running the right route, that they're on the right timing. And we've just seen a few times with Amir Smith-Marset where Keenan McCardle's pulling him aside after routes and is saying, you know, maybe you need to do it this way or do it that way. And I just haven't seen Cousins show trust to target him when he gets reps with the ones, but I see him targeting BC a lot. And at two different press conferences, Kirk went out of his way, and this may be him making his case to them, like went out of his way to say, BC Johnson, which Kirk is the only one who calls him Ola BC, yeah. which is like the most Kirk thing. Like everyone calls the guy BC, but he's like Ola BC. Like back in 2020 right, against right. the Panthers, he really stepped up. Like like dad mode telling his kids, I remember a young man named Ola BC. But uh, no, really, with Kirk has twice praised him at press conferences about the game in 2020 where he had to step in for Jefferson and just talking about trusting him, thinking that he could be better it just feels like there's more trust there and that would put him fourth as opposed to fifth. Whereas maybe the team looks at the skill level and it's clear that Amir Smith Marset is higher in terms of total talent, but you know, they're both late round draft picks. And I think Kirk's going to lean with the guy a little bit more experience that he has chemistry with. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and that's the uh, case when we were on the pod last week, two weeks ago, and Andrew was saying the same thing. And I, I think it's a good point. Like, right now, confidence level in, like, just the ability to run routes and, and be steady and be an NFL wide receiver who can be counted on. BC is probably ahead of Amir Smith-Marset. I still think I have Smith Marset fourth, which maybe there's just some projection there. Like, I think I'm confident enough that a month from now, three weeks from now, he can get there to the point where uh, where he's relied on as that number four option, and that could be that could be fluid throughout the season. I think both guys have a really good shot to make the team. Um, so we'll see. I think um, there there is definitely some work that Smith Marset needs to do. Like you've said, like there's been times where. He's gotten talked to on the side, or he's gotten gotten yelled at for maybe running the route, a route at the wrong depth, or or doing something slightly off. So we'll see how that develops. But uh, a few other things for this preseason game, and and there's a couple more position battles that we can touch on. But I, I want to just talk a little bit about like just in general. I'm curious to see from kind of a football nerd standpoint, like what do the schemes look like that we've been hearing so much about uh, with Kevin O'Connell and Ed Donatel, like. We, we've heard a lot about how these things are going to be different and, and like what they're going to look like schematically. I want to see what that actually looks like on the field. Like offensively, let's see how, what, what kind of percentage they're in 11 personnel. How often is a fullback, whether it's CJ Ham or Jake Vargas, used? Like what are, how many tight ends are on the field? What are, they, what are the route concepts looking like? Like going in motion, doing reverses. and like how, Well, how much are they going to show, I guess, is one thing. They're not going to give us the entire – playbook in preseason game number one but I'm just curious to see like how these things that we've heard so much about actually translate to a game situation offensively and then defensively as well like how often are they in in nickel and dime and are we going to see three safeties and uh, what are the edge rusher responsibilities and the interior defensive line responsibilities look like and um, it's just going to be there's going to be a lot to kind of watch and learn from and kind of evaluate from actually seeing this in a in a football setting i, I love how football-y you're being yeah with this. that's about as football is yeah, football-y it, as i can get it really is when you were what were you saying like if they're gap sound or something if they're yeah, uh, gap what, and a half what and all that <laughs> what their uh, assignments are on the defensive line yeah i think that when it comes to this i'm more focused on individual players and how they perform because i just assume they're showing us nothing but it's fair. In, but in years past, though, like they have to run some stuff that they want to run, even if it's the most base of the base things. Like they, they would run wide zone boots with Kirk Cousins in preseason because that's what their offense was. And you can't just wash it all out because that's what you've been teaching for weeks. So if you call even the base concepts, well, you're not likely in a game to show it out of the same exact formation, the same motion. But you are going to run like dagger and, you know, choice routes and, st- you know, stuff that they do um, in this offense. You're going to do a lot of that, uh, at least to the base stuff. I guess I'm thinking about you mentioned the tight end and I'm thinking about that 
probably more than anything outside of the wide receivers. Like, do either of these tight ends show that they're good enough? More than I'm thinking about, like, what they're doing schematically, other than trying to, like, take notice of some small things. And by either of these tight ends, you're referring to Zach Davidson and Ben Ellison, I would imagine. And Johnny Munt. I mean, I if think he, if, Munt, he, if he plays, yeah. Munt is on the team. Yeah, I mean, if he plays, right. Ben Ellison, Zach Davidson. I guess Zach Davidson is really the one that I'm looking at. And you mentioned like how they're used as being something interesting. I totally agree with that. Well, what we've seen out here on the practice field is like Johnny Munt used in kind of first down situations. Ellison mixes in and then Zach Davidson in the two minute drill. And he goes downfield and he tries to make big plays. Sometimes drops the ball, which has been an issue for Zach Davidson. But he's a guy that could really, in these games, especially if he's moving around, if they're using him like you're saying, like if he's moving to the slot or moving to outside and he makes some plays, he could really make a strong argument that they don't need to go get anybody else. Even if Irv is supposed to come back week one, like what percentage is he going to be ready week one with you know this thumb injury? But Davidson could basically tell them, nope, you don't need to go out and get somebody else. I'm going to be able to come through for you. Or it could be the exact opposite. Do you remember Isaac Frichty? I I think that was before my time covering the team, but that name does ring. Was he a gopher? He was a gopher. And I picked him for Mr. Mankato in 2017 because Mike Zimmer mentioned him, like shouted him out in minicamp. And I was like, all right, I'm going with it. Isaac Frichty season, baby. And his uh, practices were fine. Looked good in practice. Came out and dropped like the first four passes in preseason. It was just over. On the spot. I was like, well, my pick is gone totally in the in the into dust. And uh our guy, Paul Hodewanik, picked Zach Davidson. So it's kind of an opportunity for Paul, but also a huge opportunity for Zach Davidson to prove that he can maybe even in the absolute best case scenario be another weapon with Irv if mm-hmm. they absolutely need him to, or that they just don't have to go searching for other tight ends. Yeah, and, and it'll be the main thing for Zach Davidson is like he's being billed as this upside guy as a receiver, but I'm curious to see like can can he literally physically like run block anyone? Yes, because yeah. that's something that they've talked about like not so subtly that he has a long way to go in that department, and that's how you get on the field as a tight end in this offense in any offense in the NFL. You can't just be a pure receiving threat who's like oh this six seven guy who can run almost 21 miles an hour like you need to be able to block uh so will they put him in some of those situations i imagine they might because they will want to see him that's more of like the ben ellison johnny munt role we know that those guys are capable of doing that but you can't just have like okay we're gonna put ben ellison on the field or, or we're gonna put johnny munt on the field and then defenses know like all right he's he's gonna block and then we put zach davidson on the field and he's gonna just run a route like you have right. to if you're going to see the field as, as a tight end in this offense you have to be able to do a little bit of both so that's a good one uh, another one where we talk about like the visible positions like again we will do our best to evaluate like Jalen Twyman and uh like Ed Ingram and, and people like that in the trenches but another visible one that I'm going to be very curious to watch is the cornerback position yes and we are going to see a lot I would imagine of the rookies Andrew Booth Jr. and Caleb Evans and what do they look like? I mean, I, both guys, I think, have had kind of the predictable highs and lows of being a rookie corner in your first training camp. And we've seen them 
make some good plays, and we've seen them get burnt sometimes and look like maybe they forgot their technique on this specific rep and things like that. So those two, um, I mean, there's others deep down the depth chart that are fighting for spots. Perry Nickerson, Ty Smith, um, people of of that ilk, Nate Hairston. So uh, how is that position going to look? Because if you come out and uh, you're getting torched by, I don't even know who the Raiders backup quarterbacks and receivers are, but regardless, like you want to put a good showing together and and be in – good positions and not be giving up big plays and maybe even make a play on the ball or two. So that's going to be one that I'm uh, excited to watch and see kind of what we can, uh, a baseline we can establish at that position in this first preseason game. Yeah, I think the Raiders did move on from Nate Peterman. Okay. So you hate to see it. I don't know who their backups are either because Marcus Mariota is obviously uh, in Atlanta. So I guess you can look that up who exactly we'll be watching for to try to torch them. But yeah, Jarrett, Jarrett Stidham. Former, oh, former wow. Patriot is listed second on ESPN, and then Nick, sense, Nick Mullins as well, oh, who actually okay. played a lot of uh, regular season football a few years ago. Yeah, Nick Mullins can sort of play as a backup, but not really. Nick Mullins, you, uh, I'd probably take him over any yes. backup quarterback the Vikings currently have. I agree. I agree. Uh, the corners, you're you're exactly right with what we've seen from them. That on the first day, Andrew Booth Jr. made a great play. And so it was naturally, as Camp want to do, it was like, Andrew Booth Jr., like, where can we fit him in? Who can we bench? Can we move someone to nickel and have him? It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Deep breaths, everybody. And I've liked his movement, and I've liked his confidence. You see him trying to make plays. Doesn't look like he's intimidated. I think that's a big deal for getting out there and doing something in a preseason game. The only thing about the corners is you're right that it's easier to evaluate them on TV because they're throwing at them and they're trying to make plays. The question that I have is like how much how much we should really take away from this because we know that Andrew Booth Jr. isn't starting more likely than not unless if Cam Dantzler plays. Now, then that's interesting. Yep. Then it's like, oh, is there a tiny bit of a battle there? But uh, if Cam Dantzler doesn't play, then that means it's pretty much locked down and it's, you know, just seeing Andrew Booth Jr. You could almost throw it into just a bigger category of the rookies and starting with really Lewis seen a Caleb Evans. We'll see. He's kind of missed some practice recently, so I don't know what his status is going to be. Maybe we'll find that out by Friday, but I think a bigger, bigger one is just seen and booth getting our first look at them in this arena and I wonder what you think of the fact that neither one of them has really gotten first team reps. Like Lewis seen took, I want to say two one day. And then the other day he didn't get any. So it's been cam Bynum season the entire time. I'm curious if cam Bynum plays or if they look at him as a valued starter and that Lewis seen's not going to start. Like we set a date on it the last time. And I think it was right to say after those competitive practices with the 49ers after that preseason game, if he's still not getting any first team reps, then it's a concern. But one way to get them would be to have a great preseason game. If Lewis scene goes out there. So I think both of those, if we're making our list of like top things to watch, which is essentially what we're doing here, wide receivers, tight ends, the rookies, just in general, even I would even throw Brian Asamoah in there because Mm -hmm. when we talk about who's the next man down on this defense at a lot of positions, it's mostly rookies, and I think it's either Troy Dye or Brian Asamoah. The unofficial depth chart has Troy Dye. Asamoah has been out there quite a bit. So I think that the rookies that will, I mean, more likely than not, at some point have to play. Like, in some role, I don't know if the linebackers will get hurt 
neither does anybody else, but if they are even banged up for a single game, it's either going to be die or Asamoah. So Asamoah has a chance to kind of make his case. Yeah, it's a good point you made. Like we can learn a lot both from the people who are playing in this game and what they do, and also from the people who don't play. Yep. Like because I don't think I don't think they're going to play many starters in this game. I think we might see some in that second game. That's traditionally when you'll see some starters mix in. Uh, and in the whole the whole week coming up after this one with the joint practices and the 49ers home preseason game will be interesting. But we're focusing on this Raiders game, and yeah, all of the rookies. I think. All of their top draft picks are, are going to see some some role in this game, maybe a big one. And and I'm curious to see what does Lewis Seen look like. Like we've heard a, we heard a lot about him in the the pre-draft, well, mostly the post-draft process after they drafted him. Like his recognition skills, his ability to uh, come downhill and, and make plays on the ball and be a really physical guy in run support, and then also make plays in the passing game. And we've seen flashes of that, but there's been a lot of like he's just a step behind and he's a little frustrated after the play and you can see kind of the the learning curve happening with him so obviously as a first round pick there's gonna be a lot of attention on him I'm very curious to see what he looks like in this game I mean we'll see some other we'll see like Josh Metellus and some other safeties as well but yeah I mean you mentioned it Brian Asamoah his sideline to sideline speed is something that they've talked up a lot if he comes out there and is flying around and making plays we saw him uh, with a nice pass breakup doing exactly that going from the middle of the field to the sideline at the night practice and getting a hand on a a Sean Mannion pass that I think was intended for Nick Muse and and it was a nice play if if he comes out there and does a lot of that he has a chance to I think maybe jump ahead of Troy Dye who's been kind of meh in entering his third season here uh, as that linebacker who a could get some looks if either Kendricks or Hicks who are both 30 plus or maybe 30 on the dot have to miss any time but also if they ever have certain sub packages like where you throw in a, a third linebacker I don't even know if that's necessarily possible in this defense but maybe it is and and Brian Asamoah could be that guy with a little bit of a different skill set like he, I mean we've said it a lot he almost looks like a safety with how he's built so I wonder if there's different ways they could use him uh, and then the cornerbacks are, are obvious like Booth Evans if he plays uh, we'll, we'll just kind of be able to evaluate them going against uh, looking at the Raiders depth chart here uh, Mac Hollins and Demarcus Robinson and Tyron Johnson are some of the uh, backup running backs. One other note I want to make completely uh, unrelated to anything is that, did you know Amir Abdullah was on the Raiders? I had no idea. Old Amir friend Abdullah. alert. Yeah, uh, I didn't who know where he went. To, who hung around here for like, what, three, four years when we didn't necessarily think that was going to happen. He is a... Uh, He's a backup running back on the Raiders, so maybe we see him. There's some sort of Hall of Fame for inconsequential players that they pick up, like Tremaine Brock, Tajay Sharp, who like remained on the roster for, if not the whole season, most of the season, Yeah, and yet he got two targets. And his average depth of target was like 50 yards. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Like two bombs. He didn't catch either of them. One might have been picked off or something. And like that was it. Uh, and they were both, I think, in key situations. The Tajay Sharp. Tremaine Brock just like never played. I think he got in a game and got roasted once. And then they never put him back out there. Uh, Blake Bell, Super Bowl champion Blake Bell. The inconsequential. Brett Jones. Yeah, Brett Jones. Right. The guy who was in for a couple games and everyone desperately wanted and, like, him to start. And looked pretty good and. Yes. In our eyes and in PFF size, and then the Vikings didn't agree? I don't know. I'll never understand that. Uh, I wanted to ask you, though, because uh, there's something that happens to me during every preseason. We get really jacked up for the games. The games are never good. Of course they're not. No. 
and we take a lot out of them. This guy looked great. This guy, whatever. We ask everyone about them. How'd you feel about your preseason game? What'd you think about him, coach? One of we've we've reached what about that guy season at the uh, podium where it's like, what you think of uh, Twyman? Yeah. And the coach says, oh, you know, like what he's doing out there. Like just okay, this means we need a preseason game, but. I am like, uh, well, maybe the reference would be too old for you, but the men in black where the minute the preseason is over, I forget about it and I don't remember anything about it. I get it. that reference. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, it did, came out it, a long time ago. Yeah. So it's fair to question whether I would or not. I've, I've, I think I've some of previous references that you've made have sailed over my head, but I get that one. Yeah, I mean, most of the early 90s football, if if the pads went up past the ear holes, you probably don't remember it. But what I wanted to ask you is about the leaderboard of preseason stats from the Vikings last year. And if you remember oh, some of these things, uh, like, for example, who led the Vikings in rushing last preseason? Okay, I actually know that because it was like, a lot of yards. AJ Rose. That's right. That's he had right. an 100 yard game against, I don't remember, who did they play? Like? The Broncos, Colts, and Chiefs, I think. Something like that. He had a 100 yard game mixed in there. I mean, on like 25 carries. They like they just gave him so much work. Like he had a ton of carries. And I think he had a couple touchdowns against the Chiefs. So I remember that one. I'm not sure I'll remember anything else you have for me, but I'll, I'll try. Well, two wide receivers led the Vikings in targets. Last year in the preseason, tied with 11 each. Could you fancy a guess who that would be? Okay, 11 targets last year. All right, are are they on the roster currently? Yes, both are. Both yep. currently are, okay. Yep. Um, it's, it's not a tremendously difficult guess. Okay, Amir Smith-Marset? Uh, that is one of them, yep. Okay, and then I will say... I think I don't think BC Johnson was healthy. Correct. He tore his ACL. Actually. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then the other one I'll say is, uh, it's 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 not going to be Dan Chisna because he's he got a couple targets. Yeah, I'm sure he had a couple, but not eleven. Um, now my mind is is blank. KJ Osborne. KJ Osborne's okay. correct. Well okay. done. Yeah. Because remember, Cause I, I mean, I'm thinking of him now as being this like established starter who like looks really good and is like. Maybe not going to play in preseason games, but that was not the case a year ago this time. Correct. Correct. Now this, I'm not sure how correct, how correct this is. This stat sheet's like, what, uh, what, like what website are we getting Fox these off of? Foxsports.com. I okay. just searched preseason stats. Cause I seem to remember, did Kirk only start two games or did he start three? Cause I, Ooh. I seem to remember him playing three, but now no, no, no. He did not start against the Broncos, right? It was Jake Browning. Yeah, well, he he might he may not have even been available in that game, right? Potentially, th- yeah. Maybe or that at was least, earlier, or at least he hadn't been back long enough. So he yeah. did only start two. I was going to ask how many attempts you think that Kellen Mond and Kirk Cousins had in the preseason last year. Okay, Kellen Mond. I know. I remember watching him against the Chiefs, and specifically, I remember uh, watching that game on TV, and Rick Spielman was in the booth. <laughs> And yes. Kellen Mond like threw a pass yes. that was so far like behind and above Zach Davidson, yes. and then Rick Spielman like blamed Zach Davidson, blamed Zach Davidson, even though it was a terrible throw, like to kind of protect his third round pick a little bit. And I <laughs> yes. was like, that is ridiculous. That was not Zach Davidson's fault. Maybe he could have like leapt into the air a little bit more, but it was a terrible pass. Anyways, that's my Kellen Mond preseason memory from last year. Uh, I will say he attempted. 
31 passes. Uh, 51 passes oh, wow. for okay. Kellen Mond. Yeah, and That's how many for Kirk? Um, 18. 14. Okay. Uh, but was sacked twice. Remember when Kirk got sacked by the Chiefs when nobody blocked for him and he just got taken out? Yep. And that may have been a little bit of an omen of, of things to come or or problems that had not been completely fixed in the offseason. No matter how many times we talk about it, if you go back and think about playing Ole Udo at guard, it's just preposterous. Like, it's just ridiculous to think about. Not quite as preposterous as Dakota Dozier starting an entire season. Agree. But they're both up there. So this only lists... And I don't know if this is right, but it might be one sack for the entire Vikings last year in preseason. Oh, my God. Who had that sack? <laughs> oh, well, this can't be right because Everson Griffin had one. I remember Griffin. Yeah, because Griffin had just came back and he played in that Chiefs game. Although, wait, maybe. No, no, no. And he at I least had some it, pressures. I don't. He may not have had a sack no, because on this play. Now I'm remembering it. It's all coming back to me. It's all the, the, it's all the men in back. black thing is worn off. Griffin pressured the quarterback, and he was sacked by whom? Armand Watts. That's a good guess. DJ Wanham. DJ Wanham. The cleanup sacks were even yeah. happening oh in my preseason. God. And then he went on to have eight of them in the regular season. And all of them were kind of like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so there's your, oh, you know what? I closed it you out. Know I one thing I remember, how many field though? goals they had. You know one, one thing I remember? The most random imaginable player had an interception. Who was that? And I... Oh my! I don't. Oh, I just now. I don't remember his name. Let me pull it back. But it was. I don't think he's still on the roster. It was a, like undrafted defensive tackle, (laughs) because the ball tipped up in the air. It was was against the Colts. Okay, yeah. Well, Troy Dye had a pick six against the Colts. I remember that because this is this is the home game that we were at. Yeah. Troy Dye had a pick six off of, maybe also off of a deflection. But then there was a deflection that this. Giant like this year's like Tyree Stevenson, or last sorry last year's Tyree Stevenson, caught an interception off of a deflection and then proceeded to take one step with the ball and then fumble it. Man, I think the Vikings still recovered. Man, I can't think of this guy's name. I okay. Let me see. If you're if you're looking it up, I might be able to get there. So all I, on my all computer. I've got for this, which again might not be the most accurate, uh, has. Perry Nickerson and Troy Die with the interceptions. Okay. So I don't know. But I do remember what you're talking about. A fat man interception, I think, happened. But maybe was it ruled a fumble? It may it may not have been ruled. Oh, no. It, it's listed on the NFL website. All right. Do you remember? Do you have any chance of remembering his name? Undrafted defensive tackle last year. Jordan Scott. Okay. Out of G-O- Oregon. Uh, J-O-R-D-O-N. J-O-R-D-O-N yes. Scott. Yes, yes. Who was like... Uh, this yes. massive individual um, who was did not end up making the team, but he, it was I the most the, unlikely source for an interception, and he lost two yards on the return, fumbled it, and then I think recovered it. I love that there's someone like else recovered Fox it. Sports, which would have every stat in the entire world, attempts to have preseason stats, but they're like not right. Yeah, <laughs> or like oh, there are only some there. Yeah, like even they don't care that much about this. Uh, all right, well let's let's wrap on this then, uh, if you want. Unless you had something else you wanted to. Did you want to preview the punter battle or? Uh, I don't think. I guess yeah. Ryan Wright's gonna get an opportunity to punt the ball. I I I have, not, have I have not even considered the possibility that he beats out Jordan Berry. So we'll see. I, I think we've I think we hit most of the uh, the big ones. We'll see. I mean, maybe if like you said, if if an edge rusher like makes a cool spin move to get a sack or something that'll stand out but mostly it's going to be a lot of the like visible positions that either have the ball are catching the ball um are are 
taking handoffs or are like around the ball on defense. I was going to ask you, and this might be hard off the top of your head, but if there was ever a player, all NFL, that you watched a preseason game and you went, oh man, this guy's going to be good. I can't wait to see this guy because this is going to be exciting. Viking or not, doesn't matter who. And then it just never, nothing was there. That's a good one. I, I don't know if I can speak to non-Vikings because I don't know like how many random preseason right, games yeah, I've watched yeah. in, in my day. I w- I'll say one just literally from last year. Uh, I watched. I was watching the pre- – I think this was the Colts game again, and I thought Bashad Breland was like really, <laughs> really good. Like he made – I think he had like a 90-something PFF grade for this preseason game and like made several pass breakups, and I was like, oh, this dude's this dude's awesome, and then – we uh we know how that turned out. I'll tell you. Well, yeah, Viking wise, uh, Stacy Coley was definitely one. That's a good one. And Jaleel Johnson was another. Jaleel Johnson's first game against, I think it was Buffalo preseason, maybe twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. He was awesome. He like shredded them and made a bunch of tackles in the backfield. Another guy who ended up here was great on Buffalo, which was Eddie Yarbrough, who was like preseason hero. His preseason PFF grades are great. He's got pressures and hits and sacks and everything. Came here and like never played. Yeah. I mean, but that's that's how it ends up going. But the whole Rodney Adams, Stacey Coley, they're looking for the next digs and it's just nothing there. So Mike Boone, I think Mike had some solid preseason moments. Well that was longtime listeners of the show, and it would have to be long time will remember the Mike Boone versus Rock Thomas battle. Rock Thomas. Yes. That's in the running that was back the I Denver was trying one. to think of. Yeah. Well, yeah. Where he yeah. like had a huge like screen pass for a touchdown or something. Is that 19 or? Uh, I think that was 18. 18. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Courtney Cronin and I, we decided to like pick a guy and then argue way too vehemently for him. <laughs> it was like, Rock Thomas, shut up. He's the best. And it's like, you know, neither one. Uh, but Mike Boone, you, he's like a hill to die on where you like. Yeah. Should have given him the ball more. I'm just saying. Five yards a carry. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see if they do that more now with Kenny Wongwu, his health, how he plays. Ty Chandler could be an interesting, like, yeah. in that fast running back mold to watch. So Definitely an opportunity for him. Lots so. of hype here created by us for this uh, preseason game that will be like a 26 to 5, like, <laughs> just absolute penalty incompletion fest. But, hey, it's real football. It sort is of. indeed. Well, thank you uh, for your time, Will. Thanks. Or you should thank me for my time. You yeah. kind of led the, the yeah, charge. Yeah, thank you. Here. Thank you for joining me on this yeah, podcast. You're welcome. I did great. <laughs>